0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Solace in the City. I am really excited and proud and um, honored to be sharing this episode with Samantha today. It is... Um, it's some serious stuff. Like it's definitely one of the more like powerful and, um, serious episodes that I share, but Samantha is just amazing. I can't even like imagine how much strength she has. And I really, really admire her. And I think that uh, this will, this story will resonate with a lot of people. And I really hope that, um, you take a listen. I will give a trigger warning because we talk about some things like addiction, substance abuse, um, suicidal thoughts, overdosing, and like some serious topics. But again, the hardest conversations are worth having and I have this platform and this podcast to make space for these types of conversations. So I really do hope you'll take a listen and I think you will enjoy it. Um, before I jump into it, though, I do want to talk about my experience at Sakara because I just finished their um, three-day program. So it was like the signature three-day, which is breakfast, lunch, dinner um, for three days. It was, first of all, I'll just say, amazing. The food was so good. I can't describe how like good pre-made food was, and especially for someone like me who hates cooking, it was amazing. And I will say, like the th- breakfast, lunch, and dinner was a lot of food, so. You could easily do like lunch and dinner, um, spend a little bit less money and it would be equally fulfilling, but the breakfasts were the best. So it's tough. Like they had this one, like what was it called? It was like a rose water muffin and it was so good. I don't even know how they made it, but it was delicious. And they had all these like blueberry corn pancakes that were just so freaking good. So the breakfast, those were both breakfasts, but they did have like amazing burrito salads, like mushroom risottos. Um, They were all just delicious. So I'd highly recommend it. I also, um, for context, had a like group, I guess it was like a monthly, we have monthly chats with the founders and other people. So um, they were telling us about things that were up and coming. So one thing I'll quickly mention is a, um, the level two detox that they do once a month, and that's coming up. And basically, what this does is it's like a f- five day, I believe, or seven day reset of your body. And it, like, you're eliminating, like, just every sort of, kind of, like, quote unquote, toxin. And I don't know if I'll necessarily do it just yet because I'm careful with, like, things like that due to my eating disorder. But if you, you know, don't have any of those issues, I would really recommend it because I think there's something great Um, and I don't know I kind of like taking back my body every so often and just like eliminating alcohol or just doing some sort of cleanse to make me feel like just refreshed if 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 that's the right word Um, and people who had done it vouched for it so much they said you feel like amazing and light and just like really like revitalized and Um, yeah, given that now it's like fall and summer's over and I don't know, I've been feeling really groggy and bogged down and I think this would be a great thing to do. And lastly, I'll mention their 14 day, um, program because it's a bit of a cheaper option. You can just like kind of do it on and off as opposed to, um, paying a lump sum and having the food for three days or five days. Um, And they also offer afterpay, which if you're not familiar with that, it's basically like you pay in um, in increments as opposed to just at one time. So that's definitely a more affordable option um, if you want to spread out the payments. So again, I, in short, love Sigara. It was amazing and I would highly recommend it. If you also want to try this amazing delicious food, you can go to sakar.com and use code XOZOE for 20% off your order. Again, sakar.com, XOZOE. It helps me, it helps you. Please, it'll I promise you, you will at least if you do it once. If you don't like the food, you will like the food, but you know, just try it out and it's delicious and again helps my podcast and will help you get refreshed. So that's sakar.com code XOZOE. Samantha.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Solace in the City. Today, I'm so excited to be here with Samantha Tyrone, who is a teacher-turned-entrepreneur and is going to talk a little bit about um, her life and what she's learned so far.
2: Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited.
1: I'm so excited, and I think uh, actually... I know people are excited for this episode and um, we're looking forward to it or at least wanted to hear from you. So just for some background, um, if you don't mind just telling me a little bit about yourself.
2: Where are you from? How old are you? where did you grow up? What's your story? Absolutely. Uh, Well, my name is Samantha. I live in Warren, New Jersey. I am born and raised a Jersey girl. (laughs) Uh, I grew up dancing and doing musical theater and I went to school for uh, dance and theater as well and then I went back and got my master's in early childhood education. Uh, I spent uh, about seven years between private and public schools. And then I kind of decided after my life took a turn, I said, I don't know if education's for me. So I decided to go into business for myself uh, in a number of ways. I am really passionate about music, Broadway, the beach, love traveling, uh, love shoes, and all things coconut.
1: <laughs> so I just slide that in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what made you decide to go from it seems like musical theater was like a big passion and then to uh, do that shift into education rather than go down like the Broadway route.
2: Um, Well, I am a big theater nut, um, but I don't sing. (laughs) Um, So that was never really kind of on the table for me as a dance teacher and, and choreographer. I always really loved kind of more of the behind the scenes things. Um, So like your choreographer, your production, things like that. Um, I I really enjoyed that. And uh, teaching honestly fell into my lap. A friend of mine was like, you just graduated college, right? And I said, "Uh, yeah. She's like, we need a gym teacher in our private school. It's only two days a week. It's it's really, you know, a fun, upbeat. I'm like, okay, that works. I've, you know, I've worked in YMCAs. I've done camps and, and things like that. And I've run all different kind of, kinds of classes through that. So I was like, okay, well, I could figure this out. So uh, after a year of being their gym teacher, uh, the pre-K teacher left and they were like, we need a pre-K teacher. And I applied uh, by saying, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we filled out some paperwork and that's kind of how that happened. And then I went back and got my master's in early childhood and uh, thought the grass would be greener on the other side, which it is not always. And uh, it it just wasn't for me like I thought it was. Um, and I learned a lot. I enjoyed it a lot. I made some great connections, had some phenomenal experiences. But I can take that now and apply it to what I'm doing and uh, kind of just keep moving forward. Awesome. And you mentioned that
1: after like uh, a life. Transition happened that you made that shift. So, do you mind talking a little bit about uh, what that was and um, you know why you decided to shift then?
2: Absolutely. So, I was engaged, uh, and a few months prior to our scheduled wedding, uh, my fiance passed away very unexpectedly um, of an overdose. Um, it was. I believe depression induced um, from an injury that he in uh, incurred at work. Uh, You know, going through workman's comp and lawyers and uh, just doctor after doctor giving him the runaround. Like I think, emotionally he was just broken. Uh, You know, there was a history, but he was working really, really hard every day uh, for a long time. Uh, that we were together. Uh, Within his recovery, he was doing very, very well. Um, He had a great support system. We had a great support system. And uh, I think it was just one of those things where he did not feel like he could live up to the standard that he set for himself. And, you know, the darkness just kind of took over and, and, and life happened the way it did. Uh, But, you know, it was, it was very, very unfortunate, of course. And, you know, I miss him and think of him every day, but I know at this point, uh, you know, he would not want me to just kind of lay down and, and let life happen around me. I know he'd want me to continue moving forward and, and make a difference and, and do things to better other people's situations. So that's, that's what I'm in the process of doing now. And when was that? a uh, little over a year and a half ago. It'll be uh, two years in November. Wow. So
1: first of all, I'm really sorry. And we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, how the general reaction to a story like that is kind of like a first shock and then a a pause of like not knowing what to say. Um, but it seems like, you know, when you talk, like you've, either had that conversation a lot or processed it well, or, you know, I mean, I'm sure you're still processing, but what has that been like, like the five stages of grief afterwards?
2: Um, Well, for me, I threw myself into work. Um, I started a long-term subposition about a week after he passed away and I just went to work. you know, I took some time off from my evening jobs. I teach dance on the side as well. Um, You know, and I had taken some time away from that, but I felt like work would be a really good distraction because I didn't really know these people. Uh, They didn't know me. They didn't know anything about my history or anything like that. So I thought it would be good to just keep pressing forward. And um, growing up, you know, I was exposed to death a lot. My parents just made the decision to expose me to you know not hide it from me that it's a part of life and that it happens and you know i mean i've lost a lot of people loved ones family members friends i mean the list goes on and i think part of it i've just become a little bit numb to which i think on one hand is a horrible thing and then i think on the other hand it's a great thing because i have the ability to keep pushing forward and and pick up and Kind of process as I go along um, with my fiance. In this instance, I kind of just shut down and was in shock and just on autopilot. Um, I turned to spending money to keep myself sane. Uh, you know, shopping, going out, just doing things to just keep my mind from going to a, a negative place or a dark place. Um, you know, so I think that was probably the most unhealthy thing that I did uh, was just kind of replace one thing with another thing. Mm -hmm. And, and I think anybody who's experienced any kind of addiction or loss can relate to that a little bit, you know, um, for, for, for my fiance, you know, he couldn't go to the gym. So, you know, his, his outlet to drugs was the gym. And when he got injured and he had no more outlet, you know, he, he kept hitting these brick walls emotionally. So, um, you know, I was forced, not forced, but I stumbled upon while we were still together and, and planning things, I ended up stumbling into self-development. Um, I had a rule for us that I, I wouldn't ask him to do anything I wasn't already doing or wasn't willing to try. So, um, you know, he had done some different programs and I had done the family aspect of it. Uh, if there was a journal I thought would help, I bought two. If there was a book I read, I read it first and then handed it off to him. And then we talked about it after, you know, so I I unintentionally stumbled down the self-development journey. And I think that helped me a lot. Um, I wrote a lot. I read a lot. Uh, I did see a therapist. I was on antidepressants briefly. And that kind of just prolonged the processing process, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it got me through the day and it got me through the motions of what I needed to do. But at, at the end of the day, I think it pushed my processing ability back about five or six months um, because f- after uh, we were scheduled to be married in April, and I took antidepressants all the way through the end of April. Um, and it was after I had taken myself off them, which I do not recommend go through your doctor and like do it the right way. Um, you know, I just kind of woke up one day and was like, I'm I'm done with this. I can't not feel anything. I can't not do anything. I, I have to get back to some kind of normalcy in life. And, you know, I have my days, I have my meltdowns, um, but they are getting less and less intense and they are lasting less time. Um, I I don't necessarily like when people say it gets easier. I think it just becomes more normal. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think that's, that's been part of the, the whole healing process. Um, you know, I, I'm very fortunate. I have a great support system. My family has been amazing. My friends have been amazing. Uh, you know, my, my partner now is amazing. Um, and it's just kind of, you, you have a choice to make and you can let it, uh, let it, completely destroy you. And, you know, you can lose sight of all the things that you've wanted in life, or you can turn it around and live life despite the trauma and keep pushing forward and just use your experience to help other people. And that's, that's really what I'm doing. You know, it's not to. I mean, Ryan was one of the most amazing human beings to ever walk this earth. So this is not about uh, having a negative a negative word to say about him or addiction. It's, it's really quite the opposite. You know, I want to lift the veil off the negative stigma around addiction. And I know, unfortunately, there's too many people either in my position as the partner of someone in addiction or recovery. And then I know there's just way too many people in, in active addiction. So anything that I can do to help spread awareness, help spread, um, support, uh, any, anything that I can do to help either person in, in those situations is what I'm setting out to do.
1: Yeah. I think that's so incredible because it's like, uh, there's this quote that this, um, girl who I interviewed used, which was sunshine is the best disinfectant. And it's like, not, I mean, that's like a, that was a little bit of a different situation, but just by talking about it, I think that's, the most important thing we can do because the longer topics like addiction or suicide or anything else are swept under the rug, the less likely that they're going to be focused on. So I think that's amazing of you and you're, you know, you're honoring Ryan by, by doing just that. I, I was wondering, so you said that, you know, after he passed, you were, taking antidepressants were so was that were you
2: diagnosed like with depression afterwards um i went to a few different doctors and i was just in a really really dark place um you know and i i just couldn't there was a period of time where like i just couldn't do anything i couldn't mm-hmm. I couldn't move couldn't eat i i didn't i was like worried to get in the car because I definitely contemplated like just taking my hands off the wheel and being like, whatever, I don't care. Um, so they, the, the people that I was seeing really thought it would be a wise decision to put me on something temporarily just until I can kind of rein things in. And, um, you know, it, it definitely helped. I'm, I'm an advocate for therapy and I'm an advocate for whatever is going to help you move forward in a healthy way. And, and for me, that was mild medications for a a brief period of time. Um, And because of Ryan's history, I kind of, that's why I stopped taking them just right, you know, out of the blue and, and made the decision in that moment. I said, you know, this is, I don't want to be dependent on a substance. I have to start dealing with this. Mm -hmm. And, and that's where the self-development really kind of, took took over
1: yeah i think one thing i found and i don't know if you can relate at all but when when i lost my friend i i found myself channeling my energy first it was into i was like drinking too much and going out too much and just like not wanting to think about it and then i was kind of Avoiding my own problems by focusing on like advocacy too much. I don't know if That was just my way of you know not addressing the depression and anxiety and eating disorder. I had right, right, Um, or I fell into after he passed and then it was like I was ironically being this mental health advocate even though I was not addressing my own issues and then finally once I started getting into a better place I felt that's when I developed a podcast and started thinking of like new ways to, you know, bring light to in a matter that was really important to me in a more Mm -hmm. authentic way. Do you ever find that? Like you said, you know, you kind of were shopping a lot and doing things like that. Um, I don't know. In, in, What ways, I guess, did you feel like, when did you feel like that there was a transition between numbing yourself and then
2: becoming this advocate? Um, I think shortly after the wedding um, was scheduled, I actually just, we were going to be married down in Asbury Park. And I said, you know, I don't want to be anywhere near there. I'm going to go and just rent a hotel for the weekend, be with my friends, do my own thing. Um, and, and just start to like, I don't want to think about it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we were at a bar and the news came on and the heading at the bottom was like beach on fire or something like that. And the guy on the news was talking about how all of Asbury park beach had to be evacuated because the beach was on fire on my wedding day. (laughs) And uh, I I mean, some people were like checking on me and texting me and calling me and making sure I was okay. And I was honestly just laughing because I was like, this is a hundred percent Ryan saying like, if she can't be on the beach, nobody's going to be on the beach. And I just, I just laughed it off. And, you know, I was a little upset about it, obviously. And, you know, there were definitely some tears that day, but it was more of like a, he was just reminding me that you know, it could always be so much worse. And, and, and something that we talked about all the time was, you know, you can't have dark, you can't have light without darkness. Yeah. You know, if you don't experience the dark part of the tunnel, you don't ever get to the, to the end of it. And, and that was kind of what honestly I think helped me deal and, and heal. Um, you know, I don't think, I don't think that there's ever going to be closure because of, you know, just how things went down. Um, but I know from, you know, all of the things that we've experienced together that we were able to give something to each other that nobody else would have been able to provide. And, and we were both the kind of people who never expected or anticipated having what we had. So even though it was short lived and it never got to the end of where we thought it was supposed to go, um, you know, I truly believe that, you know, Ryan is still taking care of me and looking out for me. And, you know, if it was not for him, I would have never been able to start, you know, my dream of, of being a dance competition owner. And, you know, I, a a pivotal moment for me was actually, um, a doctor had been arrested for pill pushing. And that was part of the whole scenario that we were a part of. And, um, a friend sent it to me, and I shared it on Facebook, and that was the first time I had kind of shared a little bit into Brian and I's experience. And within a couple of hours, I had a few people reaching out to me on Facebook that were like, "Thank you so much for sharing. You know what you went through. I, I I feel the same way. You know, my doctor keeps pushing me to do this, and I don't want to because I'm scared of becoming addicted, and so on and so forth. And and just these little kind of victories were happening of, of people advocating for themselves. And I a uh, a conversation that I had with a friend of Ryan's, um, who, you know, I still talk to and, and love dearly said, you know, we don't need people in addiction advocating for us. We need people who are not a part of the world that we are in to advocate for us to say like, we're, we're people, you know, and I, I don't think, um, I don't think people realize that the chemical damage that drugs and alcohol do to the brain where like it then no longer is a choice, you know, and, and yes, the initial choice to, to pick it up is there because that's where you're clear headed. But after that first time, the chemicals, the, the imbalances that happen, um, you know, the science behind all of it is just insane. And, and people don't, people don't know because they're just not educated. And I began to educate myself and, and start learning a little bit more of how things worked and how drugs affected the, the brain and things like that. Cause I was super naive to everything uh, prior to my relationship with Ryan. And uh, you know, it was in the moment where I decided I didn't want to be sad anymore, that I started you know, taking steps for myself. And then the biggest moment was when someone reached out to me and was like, what you shared helped. And that's where I was like, well, if these people were able to be advocates for themselves, then they might have a better shot of having a successful recovery. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: that's kind of how I got led down this road, um, you know, in just self-advocacy and, you know, taking care of yourself the best way possible so that you have the ability to help other people. Yeah, that's
1: amazing. And that was actually my next question was, like, when did you start telling your story? Because it's so, I mean, it's wild, but it's amazing how a, literal, a little act of vulnerability opens the door to people feeling like they can confide in you. Like I've had that on my when I just share something on Instagram and someone I haven't spoken to in like 15 years will message me and just be like, thank you so much for posting that. And it's like, it's, it's like a, someone needs to be given like a little, you know, um, lighthouse like sign to be like, here, you can talk to me. Like, so I think, did you, did you continue sharing your story after,
2: you know, those people reached out to you? I did. I think that was kind of the green flag uh, or the green light to be like, you need to do more of this. And, you know, I, I understand, I I struggled a lot with say, with sharing anything, um, because of his friends and his family. And I just, I didn't want anything I said to be misinterpreted. Um, you know, and I was so worried about what everybody else was going to think or feel. And I said, you know what, it can't be about them and it can't be about me. It has to be about Ryan. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Ryan gave me a lot emotionally, mentally, spiritually, um, you know? And I think I think sharing our story and sharing his struggle and having people reach out and just this kind of all spiraling has given me the opportunity to heal because I know there's other people who had it way worse or do have it, um, you know, way worse than I did. And if I can encourage men and women or kids or, you know, whoever to say like, listen, yes, this was horrible. And yes, this is going to change me as a person until the day I die, but it can be used for something good. And, and initially I know it's painful, um, to hear, and it's definitely painful to say, uh, you know, so I don't want anyone to think that like, I'm just used to it now. And like, it's easy. Like it, it's not easy to talk about, but the fact that, you know, someone could benefit from the experience is more important to me than not being able to deal with it. 100%. It's, I'm thinking, oh, there's this
1: Ted talk with this woman who now has a podcast. I'm trying to remember what it's called. Oh, I think it's terrible. Thanks for asking. <laughs> uh, but there's like a Ted talk where it says, oh, it's about like, about how we don't move on for, from grief. Uh, We move forward with it. And I think that was like, she put it so well. Um, I guess similar to that little bit of advice for, you know, someone who's lost someone, what advice would you give to someone who is maybe in your shoot? Like would, in your shoes at like the beginning of, maybe they are, you know, in a relationship with someone um, who is an addict or their partner is, you know, starting to use drugs because this doctor pushed him on them or she, like mm-hmm. what advice would you give to that person? Um, I
2: would definitely say that a few different things. The first is to set boundaries and I don't mean just boundaries for the other person, because if you focus wholeheartedly on them, you will 1000% lose yourself. And that is definitely what I experienced. I became obsessed uh, with making sure he was okay with making sure things were above board. I was very cautious about what I said because I didn't want to trigger anything not knowing really that anything I said or did wasn't going to make a difference anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I think that's advice in itself. It has nothing to do with you. A person's addiction has zero to do with you, not with parents, not with their children, not with their partner. It's, it's from themselves and it is nothing that you can change unless they decide to change it themselves. And, you know, that was definitely something I learned the hard way. Um, one of the things I would also suggest is to set boundaries for yourself. You know, when, when it gets to a certain point and you notice yourself doing things that are out of your character, that's toxic behavior. You know, toxic behavior is not just something that comes from an addict of any kind. You know, you as a support person for the person in addiction can execute, can execute toxic behavior. And now, they're doing this toxic behavior that's harming themselves and you're doing a different type of toxic behavior that's no good for either one of you and now nobody's taking care of themselves yeah you know so that's how it just gets out of hand so quickly and and i think i i was so adamant about seeing him through this and and getting to the other side together that i didn't care what had to happen and and i think some people need to hear it's okay to walk away and 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 as hard as that would have I, I can't imagine walking away. Yeah. Um but if you don't take care of yourself first, you still have no control over what's going to happen from the other person. And you know, we didn't have kids or, or anything like that. So we didn't have to deal with any of those situations after he passed away. Um, you know, so I know everybody's situation is different, but I think I think it's just so important to make sure that you don't lose yourself in trying to care for someone else. And that goes beyond addiction. Yeah. You know, that's childcare. That's caring for parents. That's, that goes for literally anything. Um, But you know, if I, I look back and the things that I did, you know, I lost myself and I had no boundaries and if I could go back and do it again um, you know, I definitely would have set some boundaries more for myself and just, this is not what I'm going to tolerate. And, and I know that you don't have control over this, but you can make the decision to help get control. Yeah. And, and that's what's important. And like I said, nothing I could say or do would change his mind, but I saw, I saw what he could be and I saw what we could be. And that's what I latched onto. And I wasn't, I was living so far in the future that I couldn't see what was right in front of me. And once he passed away and I was able to step back from the screen and the picture became more clear, I realized how toxic it really was and, and what I could have done differently to take better care of myself that maybe would have inadvertently encouraged him to take better care of himself, you know, and just advocate more and not be so afraid of what the doctors or lawyers or workers comp said. You know, that's, that's really where all of the self-advocacy end of this came from was if you know that you're in danger and you know that you're in active recovery and you don't want to do something, you have to be confident enough and strong enough to say, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And, and that's, I think where so many people get lost and scared and they just don't have the support. Yeah.
1: I was going to say that's, I think where the, the awareness and support and, you know, that all comes in because when this stuff isn't talked about and when there aren't as many resources because there's not enough funding for, you know, organizations, um, whether it be like specific to mental health and addiction or specific to addiction, like being able to say, okay, this is how you, you know advocate for yourself in this court case or this is how you do this i think that's where like that's why there needs to be more awareness around this kind of stuff because it it wasn't on you to know all of that you know <laughs> like you it's not on anyone no family just go everyone is blind until they have like the hindsight to have 2020 so right. and i think that's i mean at uh, really brave advice to say of like, you can walk away. Because I think that a lot of people, you know, are afraid to even think that, or like admit that to themselves, let alone anyone else. So um, I think you're a really strong person. And I mean, I I know that if anyone's listened to this, and they have a loved one who, Is going through what your fiance went through, like I'm sure that your words are more than appreciated.
2: Well, and the one thing I will say is, you know, as important as a support system is for someone in addiction, it's really important to know that you're supported as a partner of someone in addiction. Like my mom knew wholeheartedly what was going on, yeah, Um, and and she's in the healthcare industry, so she was able to provide a lot of insight. um, And she was actually able to provide Ryan with a lot of help and support and resources. So um, I think, I think there needs to be more promotion of different outlets and different programs and different resources. Like uh, there's a, in New Jersey, there's an organization called Hope Sheds Light and they're based out of Tom's River, New Jersey. Um, If I knew more about them, I think I would have been able to Heal mentally a lot more solidly, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um. Then I had to figure out on my own. Um. So just really look for the resources because they are out there. Um. There's Naranon. There's amazing, amazing books. There's uh some amazing coaches who can who can help you and who can help your partner as well. And it's just you know you gotta you have to dig a little bit further. Through all of the other stuff because they're not the top of the they're not the top of the list in, in resources that are promoted for things but they're there.
1: Yeah, I was that was de- definitely gonna be my question um, towards the end of like some organizations or nonprofits or resources that um, you think more people should know about.
2: Yeah, so. that, that's that's one of them. There's Phoenix Recovery as well. Um, there's a lot of really just great places, um, you know, and there's a book I just read um, by Callie Estes and Tim Estes, uh, Dr. Callie Estes, excuse me, um, and her husband, Tim. And it's written from her perspective and his, and it, it shed a lot of light into how, how Ryan's mind worked um, for me. So if you are in a situation, um, I highly, highly recommend it um, because it was very helpful for me. And and like I said, there's, there's so many things out there uh, that you just have to, you have to ex- be open to exploring it and finding the right fit for you. Definitely.
1: Okay. So now I always ask some questions towards the end of my interviews, more focused on you, um, on less related to the the prior interview but i'll go ahead so the first question is this one's like it might sound like a little dumb after a conversation because i mean i might know the answer but what's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today
2: uh well it was definitely the situation uh with my relationship with ryan but honestly i think it goes just so much deeper than that um I think the aftermath of what like kind of being able to pick my life up and put it back together without him. Um, and, you know, obviously that wouldn't have happened if I didn't experience my relationship with Ryan. but, you know, that's, that's definitely something that has changed me was figuring it out after yeah. the fact, you know, and you say so often, you know, <laughs> something that we always said to each other was, I don't know what I'd do without you. And I am so conscious of saying that now. And, and I don't let it come out of my mouth regardless of what it's for, because I know what I would do. Unfortunately, you know, you just keep up, you just pick up and keep going and push forward and, and move to the next chapter of your life. And, and that's not a heartless thing. That's, that's just reality, you know, yeah. Yeah, that's
1: true. It's like something thrown around, but when you think about it, it's like it has a lot more meaning than we we like say it with. Do you have a favorite
2: quote or a mantra that you live by? Um I have I think I have two. Um you know, with without the darkness there can be no light. I think that's just you can attach that to anything. Mm -hmm. Um, You can attach that to a bad day. You can attach that to a scenario. Um, And it really does kind of push you forward that like the better, something better is coming. Um, And then really life doesn't happen to us, it happens for us. Um, Because of everything that I've experienced with my relationship with Ryan, you know, I got to meet some amazing people. I've been put into some amazing situations And now if I didn't have the experience that I've had, I would not be able to help the people that I've already helped um, with just, you know, listening and moving forward and just having that support. Uh, And, and I know this is just the start of the people that I'll be able to help. Um, You know, it's not, it's not, I feel like it's really kind of one of those things that it's like, it didn't even happen for me. It happened so that I could help other people.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And it, It's like the very, very slim silver lining of a situation.
2: Yes. Very slim. And I cling to that silver lining more often than not. Definitely. What do you love most about yourself? Oh. (laughs) Uh, I would say in more recent days, it's my ability to think quickly and bounce back. From anything, whether it's business, whether it's life, whether it's personal relationship, I I shift very well. When is your birthday, by the way? January twenty sixth. I am an Aquarius.
1: Oh, I've had a lot of Aquarii on my podcast. I don't know why. That's interesting, though.
2: Because we're the best.
1: And you're sharing all the. <laughs> it, I guess that makes sense if because they like to like help others through their experiences. So. Um. And my last question, that's never a question, the birthday, I just like, really like astrology. I'm, <laughs> um, I'm with
2: you on that. I'm with you. But
1: my, my last question is, how do you find solace in the city? And city can be whatever, you know, place you're in or
2: intangible thing you want to make it. Um, Honestly, I think it's just knowing that I was put here for a reason. And, I think that everybody comes into your life for a reason. Um, When Ryan and I met, I was very insecure. Um, I never anticipated being swept off my feet. Um, I just didn't think that that was in the cards for me. And then in meeting him, I had this whole life-changing experience and uh it, it is truly because of him that I am a better person uh, and that, you know, I'm able to be in the moments that that I'm in now. And, and I know that if it was not for my experience with him, you know, I mean, you have to take the bad with the good and the good with the bad. So I think the, the positive aspects of, of our time together definitely outweighed the negative. Uh, So knowing that if it never happened, I'd never be where I am now.
1: Yeah, no, that's so beautiful. And thank you so much for sharing your story and continuing to share it with other people. Where can like all my listeners follow you, follow your future business endeavors, um, your dance company, (laughs) where can, and also support you either like whether it be emotionally or Um, you know, if you're raising money for anything financially,
2: uh, there can plug everything. Awesome. Uh, I, the most, uh, the most accessible way is uh, through Instagram. Uh, It's Samantha underscore Tyrone two six. My dance competition is deck dance comp at, on Instagram. Um, You know, we are really trying to, do more with dancers as a whole. So we're bringing in people to do workshops with dancers, with their parents, with the teachers. Really, just want to make sure that they know that they're always supported um, when they're when they're with us. Um, and then the the passion project that I'm kind of spiraling upward is uh, called Story to Glory. It's big to be something very big that's going to uh, help women in business who are creating. Their futures after a traumatic experience. Um, and they really do want the best for themselves and for their future families. Uh, and they will be supported and educated and networked uh, through this platform. And uh, you know, that's just something that I'm really excited about doing and helping other women help other women. Uh, basically. And and the proceeds from the different events that we have and and the subscriptions and things like that, uh, that's going to go to companies and organizations like uh, Phoenix and Hope Sheds Light. That's amazing. And um, I'm sure you're going to be
1: really great at that. (laughs) Thank you. And I can see like your face light up when you talk about it. So I'm excited to see that come to fruition. But Sam, thank you so much again, um, just for being so vulnerable. And I know, kind of as I mentioned before, that this vulnerability will open the door for a lot of other people to feeling a little bit better about their own experience. Um, But thanks again, and bye, everyone.
0: Hi guys, me again. I wanted to quickly pop in and talk about BetterHelp because they're another one of my sponsors, and they're also amazing. And I love them. Especially this past week, I had a session with this um, new therapist. Cause I ended up switching, um, and she was amazing. Like literally right off the bat, she we did this exercise where she like had me kind of like ground myself, and it was. So great. And I and I was like exactly what I needed because I was like going off on a rant and she was like, Hold on, just name five things you could say. And I was like, Oh, you're amazing. And and then yeah, then I will admit I had kind of a shitty week. So I'm gonna get more into that next week in next week's episode. But um yeah, very shitty week and I was feeling really down and I messaged her one night and it was just nice to have someone to like really someone to talk to and just kind of check in with and you know she answered pretty promptly even though I messaged her at night and yeah it was just good to feel really supported at that time so if you are you know looking for therapy considering therapy looking for a therapist but a more affordable option I so recommend better help it's really amazing especially in times where like, teletherapy is literally the only option because of COVID. So if you want to get started, go to trybetterhelp.com slash zoe. That's trybetterhelp.com slash zoe to get 10% off your first month. Also just realized that when I plugged Sakara, I said 10%. It's actually 20% off. So... Mm.